Sound Space, brought to you by Spectrum Life, bringing you real life, real conversation, and real advice from the best in class experts across all areas of physical and mental well being. Join our host weekly and learn how to improve and reflect on your well being. Welcome to this episode with me, Jack Kavanagh. Today we are joined by the wonderful Catherine O'Keefe and we will be discussing menopause, everything from empowering women through this period of their life to educating men and creating enabling workplaces. This is a really important conversation to take out of the darkness and into the light and Catherine has been doing really pioneering work in Ireland as Ireland's first menopause coach working with hundreds of women one-to-one and thousands in a corporate and public setting. I learned a huge amount as a health professional through this interaction with Catherine and I have no doubt that she'll add huge value to you too. Enjoy. Catherine O'Keefe, you are very welcome. How are you? Thank you, Jack. Lovely to chat with you again. Tell me, where in the world are you speaking to us from? I'm actually in Rathfarnham. In Dublin, so not too far away. So these are new new walls that I see. Yes, um, yes. I moved into uh, new offices in uh, Rathfarnham Village a couple of weeks ago. So it's fantastic just having the boundaries between home and, you know, work. Because as my, my husband, Tom, is for all the same, it's like, oh, my God, it feels like the house is full of menopause. <laughs> Brilliant. So, yeah. So... We, we'll go there in a minute because the mm-hmm. last number of years of, of your life, uh, personally and professionally, <laughs> have been oriented um, towards what is just such an important area uh, for public discussion um, on, mm. and for us to grow our knowledge and awareness of, which is indeed perimenopause and menopause. And um, and it's something that, that all women will experience um, mm. and that all men should know about. Um, but I'd love to get a sense of what has been a little bit of your own journey. What's brought you into this line of work and, and how did you arrive there from what you were doing beforehand? <laughs> yeah, that's quite a convoluted journey, isn't it? Um, I guess, so my background was, um, you know, I, I, my primary degree was business management and I took myself off to London and ended up working in investment banking. Um, for many years um, and I ended up as a director um, for an investment bank uh, for over 20 years and worked with large teams, I don't know, over 150 odd people, you know, dotted around the world before I left. Um, But I guess I came to a stage where I hit perimenopause myself. And at the time I was working in, um, I was working with the bank and I definitely started to notice those early on symptoms of perimenopause that, um, you know, I, I kind of, you know, I could see what was happening. And what I had done a few years previously, I'd gone back to college and I studied at weekends um, complementary medicine. And so I kind of knew I I'd obviously delved a lot into women's health and so forth. And I could see I knew the telltale signs I knew what was happening so as I started going through my own journey um, I often say menopause is kind of a stage in your life where 
you know, someone will knock on the door kind of saying, you know, is there something in your life that is unresolved or unfulfilled and you want to revisit? And I think for me, I always had a huge draw towards women's health um, and towards, you know, looking at it holistically and so forth. So I was lucky I'd gone back to college and I finished um, four years of studying and I decided then to change career. Um, and I took some time out uh, with the kids. I have three boys. And then, you know, um, as I was going through with myself, I could see the lack of information that was there. Um, and certainly whilst there was resources in Ireland, you know, like um, My Second Spring and, and other places, it wasn't being talked about at all. And I even found some of my closest friends were kind of like, oh, here, I'm not going there, <laughs> you know. Um, so I started to delve into it more. I started to study more, educate myself more. And I got involved with the Daisy Network, which is a charity in the UK, which works with very young girls in menopause. And um, so I became their representative in Ireland. And I just started to do talks. I started going around the country um, and soon it was literally packed hotel rooms. And I knew that women were starved of information and they wanted to hear what it's really like. So, you know, I was able to, to explain what happened to me at 44. The fact that, you know, I can remember sitting in meetings at work where information that I would have had at the tips of my finger just flew out the window. The brain fog, you know, was very real. Um, I definitely struggled with the tension um, in the earlier stages of perimenopause until kind of, you know, I got that wake up call to, you know, just let's ramp things up a, a bit and just make sure I was kind of supporting myself in the ways I knew would help me thrive through menopause. And I think for me, I have always been of the opinion right from the beginning that empowering yourself with knowledge from the onset won't you won't fear menopause and what you can actually do is you can thrive through it and you know certainly i do like to think for myself i've definitely taken every positive out of the journey as as i can i mean i'm 50 now so i'm you know i've six years in i probably i don't know i could have another four i could have another five to go you kind of don't really know with menopause and um, it's anywhere between four to ten maybe twelve years as it differs for every woman but I think it was really just kind of how do you make this the best time you know how do you use and embrace the transition that is inevitable for all women and evolution has made our bodies uh, change as they do in menopause and we know like many women can sail through that change or can go through with you know with little challenges obviously that's not the same for every single woman so you know i think the, the the most beneficial and supportive thing for women and for men is actually educating on what menopause is about because say for men you know if you have a woman who's you know who's having issues with libido who's having issues with energy who's having mood changes if her husband doesn't understand that that's perimenopause he can be thinking or her partner he can be thinking god you know what have i done you know, so the education part is really important. And it's also for children um, because, you know, how your their moments, they're going to wonder, you know, what is going on? 
Um, so for me, educating people is really important. And whilst I, a couple of years ago I started doing that around the country, I at the same time started going into workplaces and talking to employees, to managers, etc. Just in relation to what menopause is, how it looks in work, how it manifests in work and how we can support colleagues within work, which is, you know, mm. as you know, is, is a huge part of the journey. Absolutely. It's, it's fascinating. And I think the evidence of the interest and uh, attention that has been coming your way um, is, is speaking to just how important this is. Mm. And, and, and as you said, women are craving for uh, the information. And what strikes me as well, when you describe a hotel room full of 100 women or whatever, more (laughs) and more is that they're craving community and togetherness and um and that's so important um what it strikes me as is that it's one of many conversations uh, that's coming up in ireland that's been pulled out of the closet and being brought into daylight Uh, and and there's any number of other ones happening with over over time and and it's so important um but rightly as you said uh you know spectrum the work that Spectrum does is oriented in the workplace. And, uh, you know, when you come to the age that most women, not all because it's such an individual journey, but that most women come to their perimenopause and menopause periods, um, they're at a stage in their work life where they're highly valuable uh, in the workplace, mm. where they're very skilled um, and and the changes that they may experience can undermine maybe their own performance and lead them to question themselves but also have others questioning what might be going on so can you talk us through a little bit about like how big of a cohort is this and and what are some of the things that we might experience in the workplace uh, that others might Mm. need to be aware of as well i think when you look at you know, there's there's over 40 symptoms of menopause, right? But, you know, there's some that manifest and impact uh, a woman's life more than others. And, you know, they, they, the majority of them have a trickle-down impact into work. So let's just say, for example, the very typical night sweats. So say if, you, um, if you've had a night where you've tossed and turned, you've had to change your bed clothes, you've had to change your, your sheets because of intense night sweats, you're going to wake up the next morning. You're not going to have had a good night's sleep. The next morning, you're going to be very tired. You're going to be dehydrated. Because you're tired, your food choices may not be as good as they would be on a normal day. Because you're tired, and especially because you're dehydrated due to intense perspiration, your cognitive function is going to have declined. So the concentration and memory and so forth won't be as sharp as it may have been before. So, you know, it can be that, you know, you could be in a meeting um, and you might forget things or it might you might just be struggling to even work through some of your daily tasks that before you just sailed through the most important knock-on effect that has jack is that it then means as it reflects in work it reflects on you so 
as you, if you experience that, okay, either you maybe maybe you make a mistake, maybe you say something wrong, maybe you can't remember something, that has a direct impact on your confidence, which then triggers in onto your self-esteem. And anxiety comes into play and it becomes a very vicious circle where all of a sudden, you know, what happened the night before feeds into every aspect of your life. And um, we know the emotional, the psychological aspects of menopause are huge. Um, and it's one area that I don't think it can can ever, uh, you know, just cannot be underestimated because of how far reaching it is um, in terms of workplace and home life, etc. The physical aspects of it, whilst they can be extremely challenging, will nearly in all cases feed into the psychological aspects. And that's what feeds into changing how your workday looks. And, you know, it can be now, obviously, we're in different times because uh, with COVID and so forth. But, you know, say, for example, if you are experiencing um, hot flushes during the day, you know, where you sit at work is important. Being near the water cooler is important. There's little things like that that make a difference in terms of, you know, that might make your day easier, that might make your day less stressful. You know, it might even be being closer to the bathroom. Um, you know, so it's very important to kind of, every woman will have a different experience of menopause because thankfully we're all unique, um, which makes our experience unique. Um, you know, definitely, yes, the symptoms, we can say they're, they're, there's common ones and so forth, but we know that we'll all have a different experience. And the other thing is, is that, you know, menopause, Jack, in a way is a privilege because not every woman will get to live to menopausal age, you know? So, um, you know, I think there's mindset for me is so, so important because, you know, there's different ways to look at it. Like I would always say, you know, for the most part, we're talking about natural menopause, which it can be extremely challenging um, in the workplace and, and outside. But when we look at the earlier forms of menopause, which we know are on the increase, you know, be it cancer induced and um, surgical induced um, um, early premature ovarian insufficiency, they're a much, much more difficult um, transition. And that's a, that's a really difficult transition in the workplace if you don't have the knowledge and support within your workplace that people are aware of what can happen with early forms of menopause and that actually they're pretty much the same as natural, but they're more challenging, they're more intense. So it's, it's, it's one of my sub passions, let's call it, is trying to make sure that whilst we're educating on menopause um, and supporting the workplace, we're also educating on the early forms of menopause and how best we can support that and how it looks like. Because even, even for example, like having the conversation with your manager, that, that can be extremely stressful for a woman you know and it, it's it, it doesn't matter whether your manager is male or female e either either or it can be as, as stressful you know if your manager is younger than you possibly and maybe doesn't have the knowledge about menopause it might make that that conversation more difficult but it's a conversation that there's so many benefits to having but the thing is is it's being it's just thinking about how you broach that conversation and setting yourself up for success is what I always kind of say, because it's not like you just knock on the door and, you know, sit down with your manager. 
if there's a bit of prep, you need to think about it beforehand. You need to give a little bit of, um, you need to give a manager a heads up, you know, give them a bit of time to go off and do a little bit of research so that they're actually able to sit and support you in the conversation and be able to support you in work because there's always going to be solutions, always. It's just trying to figure out what those solutions are and how they can work best for, um, uh, for you know, the workplace and for the employee yeah and I, what i love about your approach is that it's very proactive um you know what i've what i've heard you say and uh, is things and that i'll reflect back is like mindset is so important mm. it's, it's, it's mm. a privilege that we get to yeah. go through menopause because others don't mm. and and indeed like something we've heard so many times is aging is a privilege and this is a part of of aging for a woman as you rightly said though there is a cohort there that um through through other avenues end up having um premature menopause which is incredibly challenging and mm. we could spend we could spend a lot of time focusing on those areas um, because indeed cancers are increasing and yeah. for surgical reasons mm. and so on and as you said very young uh, girls can experience menopause as well which might surprise people um, to hear but let's focus uh, our attention um, on I suppose what you might call the the central cohort of those that experience menopause mm. Mm. um what kind of age can we expect a woman to uh, enter into perimenopause and you might actually explain what that phrase yeah. even means because <laughs> i think debunking debunking mm. language mm. and normalizing language is so important yeah, so, totally, so talk totally. us through the talk mm. us through the timeline that we might expect yeah, that, that's a great one, because you know what, it's like, it, it is, you know, perimenopause is a recently new word anyway. Um, but the way I look at it is, if you think about premenopause, is those the fertile years, you know, um, uh, when you're looking, if, if you're looking to start a family and so forth. Perimenopause, medically, the definition would be that it starts around the age of 45. And that's where you the slow um, start of um, symptoms. But I have to say, I started probably 43, 44. I am uh, working with many women who might start to see the subtle signs start to come in at 43, 44. And what's happening, Jack, is simply it's our hormones declining over time, gradually. And there's three key hormones that come into play, progesterone, estrogen, and testosterone. And as those hormones decline, they uh, result in what I always refer to as a constellation of symptoms because they're so varied. Um, and so that decline starts, you know, from the mid 40s. And menopause itself is actually the anniversary of 12 months without a period. So menopause, the average age would be 51. That's the average age. So it can differ. Um, and then what happens is once you hit that, say, the age of 51, you might have one or two periods after that. And then, you know, that could be for one or two years. Then that's it. They could they're completely stop. Then you're into post menopause. 
And with postmenopause, many people kind of think that that's a finite set of years. It actually isn't. Postmenopause is basically the rest of your life. Um, but really, for me, the majority of uh, the challenges start in the perimenopause years and they can kind of you know um come and go like you will you you may it may be that you'll experience you know could be hot flushes for it could be a year or two could be a few months something else will come in it, the symptoms will change you know the 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 and they'll very much change you know from those perimenopause years up into the menopause years and what do those symptoms look like you're talking about um the emotional realm, as I mentioned, you know, the anxiety, the mood changes, the rage, the frustration that many women can experience. And this is where often the anxiety and low mood and mild depression or depression can be mistaken for um, the need for, say, antidepressants. Whereas in actual fact, you know, when it is the start of perimenopause, antidepressants wouldn't be the first port to call um, in terms of line of treatment. But the emotional aspects of menopause are vast. And so many women I speak to don't join the dots in terms of understanding that it's the hormonal decline that's happening in the body is triggering the anxiety um, and so forth, all of which will be exasperated by sleep issues, hot flushes, night sweats, and, um, you know, it all kind of knocks into each other. But um, another really common um, symptom would be migraines and headaches, um, as well as um, uh, weight gain. Weight gain is a really, really big one in menopause. We kind of know that, you know, kind of the diets, the things you did when you're in your 20s and 30s just won't work. <laughs> they just won't work in the perimenopause years because there's a change in the interaction between how our body works with estrogen and insulin. And so the energy metabolism and everything changes. So it becomes harder. It becomes more difficult to manage weight, but it is really important to manage your weight and to kind of keep within your BMI based on your height and so forth. So weight gain is a, is a real, is a real big one. Um, um, insomnia, as I mentioned, um, you know, aches and pains are huge. I don't think I've ever met a perimenopausal woman who, who wasn't experiencing a joint pain somewhere. Um, you know, so that would be that would be very big. Um, the whole pelvic area within a woman's body is heavily hormonal dependent, particularly estrogen. Um, you know, our pelvis loves estrogen. So as the hormones decline, it has a big impact on um, the pelvic area. Now, obviously, you're going to have changes in the monthly cycle, not necessarily the first thing that happens. It can happen at some point down the line, um, you know, where you might the you might notice that you were a regular 28-day cycle and all of a sudden it starts to go to 30, 33, maybe you skip a month, maybe they come back, you know, it kind of uh, just varies. Or the flow might and change it might become heavier lighter and so forth so you just kind of have to kind of roll with that one and just watch the changes as as it happens but the pelvic area where one of the biggest symptoms we have there is um, in relation to urinary incontinence and it can be that bladder changes so um 
you know, maybe that you start waking up at nighttime to go to the bathroom more. You might have done it before or um, you might just notice that you're going to, that you need to go to the bathroom more. Um, and then a really big one for the pelvic area is vaginal dryness. Um, so many women suffer from vaginal dryness. And actually, one of the things that I see a lot of is it's misdiagnosed as trush because a woman will go into the pharmacy. You've probably seen this, you know, um, yourself uh, with with women at work. Women will go into the pharmacy. They'll say, oh, can I have trush cream, canister, whatever it is. Um, but they're self-diagnosing as trush. And in many cases, particularly if you're in the perimenopause, menopause years, in many cases, it tends to be vaginal dryness, which looks very similar as in, you know, itching, inflammation. It looks very similar to trush, but in actual fact, it isn't. It's a loss of moisture, of elasticity within the vaginal walls that cause, causes that um, pain. And also it can be pain on intercourse um, or spotting and so forth. That's a really big issue um, that, you know, I mean, I think the stats would say it's one in two women. I've spoken to GPs around Ireland who some of them feel it's actually every woman will experience it at some stage, you know. And yeah. um, so the so symptoms are, are big, you know. So the symptoms are, are wide and varied. And, mm. and I suppose when we when we look at it um, from from that realm, it's an awareness that coming into that kind of age bracket of of early to mid 40s, we can start to maybe expect that a woman would experience some uh, or all at different times of uh, hopefully not. Uh, not all, but, um, yeah, hopefully. Uh, but, but, but some or many um, mm, at different mm, times. Mm. Um, with work as a central theme here, yeah. um, and it's something that everybody in the workplace needs to monitor and juggle, but where does stress play into this and how does yeah. stress influence um, what we might experience or a woman might uh, experience during these years? Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because I, I, I feel sometimes I'm a bit blue in the face talking about stress because, and I, I know obviously stress impacts men as well, but for women, stress exasperates so many of the symptoms, Jack like so many of the symptoms um, that it's it's so it's crucial for women to get a handle on stress and to basically make sure that they're using or they're incorporating stress relieving techniques into their life. And it's not just for stress now, it's future proofing. If we look at, say, just say, for example, dementia and Alzheimer's, women two two out of three dementia and alzheimer patients are women women are more prone to these diseases and um, ongoing research happening in the area but we know two of the big triggers for dementia and alzheimer's are stress and sleep um, and these are big hitters in menopause but stress is something that we really have to take a very conscious effort to manage and particularly in work. And I think particularly now with COVID, because what's happened is the boundaries between work and home 
have gotten very uh, murky. Um, and, you know, it, they, they, they've crossed over a lot where it may be that, you know, you might just be, you know, you're working from home, you might be working longer hours, you might just be bringing the stress of working in the spare room into the kitchen. You know, that we don't have the, the transition that we've had before of going to and from work. And I always kind of say, you know, it's really important at the end of your workday, just even go sit in the garden or just walk around the block. Just do something that gives you a transition between your home and your, your work life because the stress has to be managed. Now, the other thing about stress, Jack, is that estrogen is primarily produced in the ovaries, but the adrenal glands also produce a form of estrogen. But the problem is when you're under chronic on, ongoing stress, your adrenal glands are creating or they are producing your cortisol and your adrenaline. They're not thinking about the reproductive hormones of estrogen, you know. So again, the body loses another small supply of estrogen that it could be producing because of ongoing stress. And if we look at stress and, and look at it in relation to the symptoms, you know, it will impact your um, anxiety, your confidence, you know, it will impact your sleep. It, it impacts pretty much a lot of the menopausal symptoms that are there. So it is, I always kind of say, look, if you could even do, even do 12 minutes of meditation on a daily basis, if it's even, you know, sitting out in the garden and watching birds or looking at a leaf, I don't care what it is, but our poor brains are constantly, constantly under under fire there's traffic constantly in our brains and they need a break and we need to be able to try and incorporate some form of daily respite just to give our brains a break in these times just to make sure we're managing the stress um, and you know there's loads of ways to do that sound space will return after this brief message Hi everyone, my name's Anita Fletcher. I'm a parent and coach and mother of four. I'd like to tell you about a podcast that I'll be hosting called Family Life, which is part of the Sound Space series. During my Family Life podcast, I'll be chatting with real people and experts covering a lot of topics, such as the important role that parents play in the workplace. Should BMI be used against people when they're trying to adopt in Ireland and toxic stress in families? We have an array of fabulous guests, including sleep expert Lucy Wolf, parenting expert and author Dr. Mary O'Kane, NHS nurse and dietitian Lucy Upton, and fertility expert Helena Tuberty. I myself look forward to chatting with all of these fabulous guests, and I hope to connect with a lot of you along the way. So I'll see you at Family Life as part of this Sound Space series. Absolutely. I, I just can't overemphasize how important stress management is mm. in general. Um, there's fascinating research coming out um, and it's such a big research area because it's such a big problem area. Yeah. Um, but when we look, you say you're blue in the face 
from speaking <laughs> about it but when we another area that's blue is the blue zones around the world yeah and, yeah. and the blue zones are the areas in the world where people live the longest but mm. have the longest healthy years that's mm. called health span mm. Mm. and one of the one of the eight things that they do and um, that have been identified as really uh, protective for their health is that they have a, a period of what they call downshifting um, and every day and what you can consider a downshift is uh, you can almost relate it to a car you know if you're on your accelerator all the time which is the stress yeah. the stress hormones very good. um the stress hormones uh, of uh, adrenaline and cortisol which many of which are produced in the adrenal glands as you said and we're running around all day we're under stress at work and at home and all of these things are are going on and we're meeting different demands um we get adrenal fatigue or the car yeah. burns out the engine yeah. burns out yeah. if we don't take a minute just to check in see what speed we're doing and downshift and um, mm. by downshifting what you're doing is hitting the brake and you're moving from a part of the nervous system called the sympathetic nervous system to the parasympathetic and the mm -hmm. parasympathetic nervous system is all about rest and digest and and as you said that's activated in nature you've given yeah. some examples there it's activated when we lengthen our exhale and um, when we're breathing it's activated by close relationships and nurturing environments all these mm. kinds of things and so there's loads of ways to mm. to involve yourself in in downshifting or taking a bit of stress management but it is so important yeah. um, and i and sorry i i love that jack too because one of the things is if you know that's a great analogy with the car and so forth but you just mentioned there what do we always have with us wherever we go we have our breath you know so it's just utilize it whenever you feel that bit of stress just utilize it and understand the power what you're doing for yourself just like you know and the blue zones the okinawa etc what they have proven is is that you're future proofing yourself in terms of um protecting yourself by managing your stress it's it's just crucial really really crucial absolutely now a big thing that you speak about um and and i would say to others we have a short period for this podcast mm -hmm. but catherine is just a fountain of knowledge and has many resources <laughs> uh, many Thanks, resources um and and so check it out check out her work wellnesswarrior.ie and i will ask you at the end to point to resources as well mm -hmm. um for for people that that would like to learn more um but you're very much about these can be fantastic years mm. Um, mm. when when we get the symptoms under the con under control. Um, so talk to us a little bit about what these years can mean for people when mm. when they are em empowered to understand and to have, I suppose, some of the skill sets and the know how of how to manage things. Yeah. So I, I guess just first off, in terms of, you know, how can you? thrive through it is going to be different for every woman you know as we know some women will do very well on various forms of hrt other women may do very well on you know acupuncture herbalism etc and then regardless of any of those options you always have to do the lifestyle piece and like you mentioned you know the connection and, and um, the connection and so forth but 
in menopause, it is a time where you, if given the opportunity, and once you have a handle on your symptoms, and I always say you've gotten to the sweet spot of what works for you, um, it is a time to look at where you are at. And you will find many women who have either taken up it may be a new hobby, a new language, they've gone to a new place, they've started a new form of exercise, they've got new friends. Um, it can be something simple, it can be something big. You, I know many women who have gone and maybe changed careers or set up businesses and so forth. You know, it, it, can, it's, it can be anything. But what it tends to happen is that if there's something in your life that you've always maybe had a yearning for or that you've always gravitated towards. Like say, for example, if it's, you know, maybe gardening or it's, it's painting and, um, you know, doing art, you will find that creativity is very important in these years. And it's literally, it's nearly like your body is kind of reminding you that, hey, Catherine, remember you, you know, you fancied yourself as Picasso when you were 10. <laughs> Not that I ever did, but, you know, it's literally like, well, let's go and do those art classes now. Let's go and investigate the things that maybe I feel I'd like to do. Now, the caveat with all of that is, it depends where you're at in your life because, for many women, we know it can be compounded by the fact you're in what the sandwich years, where it may be aging or young kids and maybe aging parents. So it depends where you are and what space you have in all of that to have the space for yourself. But this is the time where you must create the space for yourself, whatever that looks like, whether it's exercise or whatever. But the benefits of that are that it allows your creativity to blossom. And we know, like there's a famous quote out there by, I can't remember who said it, but it's something like, there's um, there's no greater zest than, a, than the menopausal zest of a postmenopausal woman or something, because something like that. You know, the energy that comes with it and the drive and the confidence once you've gotten a handle on the symptoms is the empowering aspect and of this journey and like say for example you you know i love all things japanese and then um, if we look at japan they have a fabulous um term for menopause which is called kanenkai and that loosely translates as renewal years and energy wow. So think about that, like as opposed to the change <laughs> and the heavier connotations we have. If you go to, to China, they refer to it as your second spring. You know, there are wow. much more empowering ways of looking at menopause. And I think that's really what we've got to get to. But if you're, if you're a woman and you're experiencing many of these symptoms, it's only when you can get a handle on them that you're able to actually see right oh okay well look you know um then you start to see the kind of light at the end of the tunnel and um, then you see you come into your own you without a shit there's so many women i know who have literally blossomed as they've gone through perimenopause to menopause yeah i i think that's absolutely beautiful the second spring or particularly the renewal years yeah um yeah. and and as you said as a pharmacist and a health professional it's so 
uh, empowering for me to learn more and mm. and indeed I've learned a huge amount from you about the range of symptoms and treatment like treatment options and the ways things do and don't work for mothers by exploring some of your other work which yeah. we didn't have time to even scratch the surface <laughs> of today um but um but I think the the dominant piece here is uh is getting control of the symptoms mm. and when you do mm. you create the space for for as you said those little question marks of what was that thing I always wanted to do that I haven't mm. explored or what is that passion that I can rekindle and and it's it's the opportunity to carve a little bit of space yeah. and it's your body almost saying you know you matter in all of this because um the the woman uh, can often find themselves as you said carrying the weight of of the the aging parents and the caring mm -hmm. and nurturing wants to help there and the younger kids and you lose lose a little bit of yourself and that and this is a chance to reclaim it yeah big time i mean that is it sends itself jack it, it it gets lost along the uh, along the way and this is when it all comes back you know the one thing i would say is i've met you know many women who are in their early 40s or you know mid 40s and they'll kind of just say no no i'm going to avoid that not looking at that yet please don't take the head in the sand approach it doesn't work <laughs> you are much better off to pull the, you know it's like take the bull by the horns look at what's happening and just embrace embrace it but it, and empower yourself with your with your options i you know because the head in the sand approach uh, will come back to bite you <laughs> yeah so with that in mind catherine where can mm -hmm. people go where would you point them to learn more and, and indeed please give us access or or links yeah. to your own stuff um if if you look on my website on the news page um i have there's tons of information there. I've done, I mean, hundreds of interviews um, with leading experts around the world. So if you generally, if you type in a symptom, a, either a blog will come up or an interview that you can watch or listen to will come up. There's loads of information on my website on the news section. So I would really kind of encourage you to look at that and also sign up for my newsletter because um, I regularly send out either re recent information I've come across or else interviews that I've just done with um, other experts in the field um, you know globally so there's generally loads of great there's great information there. Fantastic and I know that something that has become a big part of your work is support groups and the like mm. which can be so so beneficial yeah. and yeah. empowering for people going through shared mm. experience and mm. um, even if it is an individual experience within that collective you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, the name of the website is? It's wellnesswarrior.ie. Fantastic and Catherine I would just say Thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, thanks, pleasure. Jack. It's lovely to catch up with you, as always, as always. <laughs> and thank you for leading the charge on bringing awareness and words and voice to, uh, and taking out of the darkness uh, what is... Um, <laughs> bringing it into so, the light, into the yeah, light. Yeah. What is yeah. such an important thing. I think it's been, I think it's a culmination of many voices over many years, you know, that are bringing us to where we are. So, but it's great to be part of it because look, as you know, it's a huge passion. <laughs> Big time.
Catherine O'Keefe, the wellness warrior. Thank you very much. Thanks, Jack. Thank you for joining us. In this episode, we spoke to Connor Devine about maintaining hope in times of uncertainty, his journey alongside MS, the value of lifestyle medicine in managing our mental, emotional and physical health, and importantly, gaining clarity over time on who you are, what you want, and how you're going to go about achieving it. We hope you enjoyed it. Stay tuned for more. This podcast was brought to you by Soundspace, the go-to place for all the latest podcasts on topics such as mental well-being, nourishment, parenting, and health and fitness.